You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. One does not simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now, don't be hasty, Master Miriado. Is this new devil All right. Hello and welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien, Episode 65, The Two Towers, Book 3, Chapter 7, Helm's Deep. I'm Caitlin, and with this chapter, we reach the end of the movie in a way, other than the Frodo plotline, which is just wild to me, because we've got like three more chapters with these people before we swap to Frodo. Uh, I'm Rachel, and I always can't believe that we have a single chapter that's pretty much two whole hours of movie. Two hours. I mean, it's not really, because it's interspersed with Frodo and that weird shit they do with Faramir. Yeah, but two hours. It's a lot of time. I'm Emmy, and this chapter is my favorite part of the movie. The entire thing? I oh, love no. Helm's Deep so much. I, I also enjoy Helm's Deep uh, a lot. And it was after reading the chapter this morning, it was really hard not to put the movie on. Yeah, this one definitely gets you. But uh, thankfully, I, I persevered. I'm very proud of you. going to watch it soon. Completely just fell asleep instead of watching the movie. I don't know if that was... That's more brand. productive, but yeah, on brand. Yeah. All right. So characters from this chapter, we have Gandalf, the white rider up to his old tricks, by which I mean abandoning people right when they need him most. We have Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli who are still just trucking on. <laughs> I guess, I guess we get some good updates on Legolas and Gimli and the friendship. Yep. Slash maybe more department. Soulmates. We have, <laughs> soulmates. I mean, however you want to call it, they're soulmates. No, actually, I do agree with that. It's like they are the definition of queer platonic. Oh, yes. At this point in and, their lives. And then we have Theoden, King of Rohan. We have Aomer, who everybody seems to like like him and worry about him in this chapter. I think people have said, where is Aomer more in this chapter than anything else? <laughs> also, um, also yeah. that mm-hmm. the Hornberg has never fallen. Yes, that too. <laughs> uh, Gamling, who is a, a Rohan soldier. Then we have Hama, our 2020 presidential candidate, which is a weird thing for me to say, but whatever. Erkin <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brand, who is the master of the West Fold. And Carol, a uh, messenger, Rohan soldier dude. And then a whole bunch of unnamed soldiers of Rohan. They probably all die. Also unnamed orcs. Yeah, that's fair. Unnamed armies. There are just armies hanging out. Tons of We have them. the wildlings who are actually important. The the Dunlendings. Yep. We're going to talk about them later because that's some bullshit. Yep. 
So our short summary for this chapter is very short. We finally learn where the army is going. It's Helm's Deep. And then they fight. The end. Yep. Um, so, the army. They, they go out. They ride out from Edoras for five hours before making camp. Considering the things we have recently seen the three hunters do, this seems weak. It seems really weak. Keep like, going. Come on. Five hours is, I mean, they could probably still see the Golden Hall from there. Right. Like, Well, at least Legolas could. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Actually, I still don't know if we actually know what their original destination was, but that's not the point. Um, so, yeah, they've made it five hours out. Uh, there's a line about how they're only halfway to their destination, but at this point, we still don't know where they're going somewhere. Yeah. So then, uh, Gandalf, just jumping in here because reasons, uh, Gandalf asks Legolas to sort of look and see what he sees with his elf eyes. And Legolas says, like, many miles lie between. I can see a darkness. There are shapes moving in it, great shapes far away upon the bank of the river. But what they are, I cannot tell. It is not mist or cloud that defeats my eyes. There is a veiling shadow that some power lays upon the land, and it marches slowly downstream. It is as if the twilight under endless trees were flowing downwards from the hills. And then Gandalf says, and behind us comes a very storm of Mordor. It will be a black night. So and ominous. A, I liked that exchange. And B, what is Legolas talking about the army of orcs? Or is he talking about something else? I genuinely don't know. I don't think I know either. I assume he's talking about the army of orcs. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And I thought maybe it was like, a, it's the army of orcs, but they're being sort of shielded from him somehow. So we can't actually see what they are. It just says, when he says great shapes far away upon the bank of the river, and then, but what they are, I cannot tell. That makes me think maybe the Ents. Hmm. But he also, it's also very ominous and we like the Ents. Yeah. So I don't know. genuinely, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. I, maybe I got it's nothing, a mix so. of both. Yes. Yeah. I, I had wanted your opinions on that. And I'm glad that we're all just as confused as I am. And it makes me feel less like a dumb person. Yeah. Anyway, as they travel on, they notice a lone horseman riding toward them in the distance and pause to await him. When he arrives, uh, he immediately starts asking if Amar is there and just starts blurting out what is happening. And we finally learn where the host was heading. They were heading towards where Theodred died fighting along the river Aizen in western Rohan. Apparently that battle is still going on, but it's going very poorly and they've been pushed back. While the man is telling everyone this, uh, Theoden reveals himself and calls this messenger Keorl. Keorl is immediately heartened to see his king has ridden to battle, and Theoden says they must ride to the help of Erkenbrand, but does not explain who this is. Uh, and I love this because Theoden is basically just like, yeah, you expected me to be like, bent over back in the hall, right? Ha ha ha, jokes on you, but also me. Jokes on all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read it that way at all. I read it more like, yeah, I know, I was, uh, I had some problems going on for a while there. Sorry about that. But I'm here now and we're going to do this. Well, I mean, he definitely enjoyed getting to pop out and surprise the guy. I guess. Right? Like, so, I mean, the joke was on everyone, but it wasn't a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy that the guy was like, where's Amor? I have to talk to him. But then just started blurting out everything before Amor even <laughs> has a right. chance to say anything or... Or anything. Yeah. Just like, sure, just tell anyone, whatever. You know, yep. doesn't matter. Anyway, during this exchange, Gandalf was sitting quietly looking out north toward Isengard. 
He then rides back and tells everyone to ride not to the battle at the Aizen, but to make for Helm's Deep. He then, in the most Gandalf moment ever, says he has an errand he must do and that he will meet them at Helm's Deep and rides off before anyone can say anything. Because Gandalf. So, some people kind of grumble about what Gandalf meant, um, which, again, I can relate, uh, but it's mostly quelled by Hama, who's like, nope, Gandalf, Gandalf knows what he's doing. Let's wait and see before we judge him. Which, good on you, Hama. I know, he's coming in as like the MVP of Rohan here. Right? Good, good dude. But the host does listen and they ride off towards Helm's Deep. So we then get a bit of a geography lesson on Helm's Deep. It is set into a gorge in the White Mountains beneath <laughs> Threhern. You're welcome. As I understand, near the entrance of the gorge, there's a dike, which acts as the first defense. And then the fortress proper was built on a great rock that juts out from the mountains. And there's a wall that goes across it uh, to the other side of the gorge, uh, which is called the Deeping Wall. Uh, the fortress proper is also called the Hornberg because if a horn is sounded upon the tower, it echoes throughout the deep and sounds like an army and just keeps echoing on and on and on forever. So I went back on that a couple times because I wasn't sure if it was like any horn or like the horn because there is a horn in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and, and the first time I read it, I assumed it was that. And then I read it again and it was just like if a trumpet is sounded and I was like, oh, so it's just like any horn. So I don't know if it has to be the horn of the Hornberg or if you can just set up camp anywhere with a trumpet and go to town. I want to know who their sound engineer was when they (laughs) built this thing, because how do you make something echo like that in mountains? I mean, it's not like, I mean, have you clapped in a gorge before? (laughs) Yeah, but um, I'm imagining this being less smooth than a gorge. I mean, well, it does say it's in a gorge. I guess I'm picturing it the way it is in the movie, which, I mean, the shale wouldn't echo like that. I just want to know, did they blow the the trumpets in the valley and decide, like, this was the place where it <laughs> echoed the most, and that's how they built it? It might depend which way you're facing, because if you're facing not forward and you're facing backwards or the blowing the bighorn, it would echo from the back of the gorge and also maybe possibly through the caves that are beneath. There's a scary thought. And that is why it would sound like the echoes are coming from the mountain itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think in the end, spoiler alert, they blow the horn. Um, <laughs> that it does end up echoing like, through the, the caves and stuff. So I think that is part of it. Anyways, anyway. it's a very horn. It's a very horny hornberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... Sorry, did you want to talk about the history of... Oh, yeah, so the history of Helm's Deep. Deep. Sorry. So Helm's Deep was... Probably more important than its geography. It's protected. There's a horn. That's it. That's all you need. So uh, Helm Hammerhand was the ninth king of Rohan and is famous for punching a man to death and then surviving a long long siege against the Corsairs uh, at Helm's Deep, which was then renamed for him afterwards. And his son, who was presumably the next king of Rohan, was named Hama. Coincidence? Ah, uh, uh, boy. <laughs> uh, the guy that he punched to death was one of the wildlings, and is part of the problematic bullshit that we're going to talk about later. Yep. So that's uh, some Homesteep stuff. Yeah, and why, why it's called Homesteep stuff? Got itself the name. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so at this point, we do also learn who Erkin Brand is. He is the master of the Westfold and lives at the fortress of Helm's Deep and has kept it in good repair, which, you know, he, he seems like a good dude and people like him, but also we're glad he, you know, kept a nice place for them to run away to when they needed it now. Yep. Uh, so as they approach Helm's Deep, the company kills some wolf riders and wild men and report back that they have... Uh, many people of Rohan slain on the ground, and they've overtaken some smaller hosts that are also making their way to Helm's Deep. Uh, at this point, there is no sign of Erkin Brand, and so he is assumed dead. R.I.P. Erkin Brand, we hardly knew you. <laughs> it was at this point that, like, my brain clicked from m- movie understanding of what was going to happen into, like, right, gotcha, <laughs> this is what <laughs> happens. Like, yeah, this is where we I are I don't now. even think... Yeah, I don't even think I remembered it from my previous reads. I was just like, oh, he must be the Aomer. Right, okay, gotcha. Because <laughs> everybody saying he's dead must mean he's not. Yep. Yep. He's he's not actually dead, but... Um, anyway. More on they, that later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they also report back that Gandalf has been seen riding around. Because, <laughs> of course... That really makes it sound lackadaisical. <laughs> Look, like riding around that's doing how they what? say. They're just like, just taking yeah, we've the seen air? him going hither and thither. And... Yep, he's just like, out and about, <laughs> having a ride about. Right? I mean, that's what it sounds like. They do also see Wormtongue riding around with some orcs. Um, Theoden comments on how Wormtongue will be very unhappy if he comes across Gandalf. <laughs> um, but he, Theoden also says he misses both his counselors now, which is uh. a bit odd because, like... Really? Wormtongue is why they're in this mess, but, you know. He may have a little Stockholm syndrome. I think I think he just he just is having a, a Aragorn moment and doesn't want to be in charge. Mm. Let someone else or make doesn't want to be decisions. making the choices. Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, it is also reported that the host from Isengard is much larger than what Rohan has, but uh, no reliable numbers have been reported. So we just know there's a lot of them. And we continue on our journey to Helm's Deep. So they ride. Uh, coming across more roving bands of orcs, but no real battle happens yet. At last, they hear harsh singing behind them and see lots of firelight. The orcs are coming up from behind and burning everything in their path as they go. Aragorn laments that they cannot turn and fight right now, and Aomer says they don't need to run long, for they'll arrive at the dike and they can turn and fight there. Theoden says, nope, it's too long to defend and it has a wide breach in it. So eventually they come upon the dike and they greet a sentinel to say that the Lord of the Mark has come to Helm's Deep. Yay! And there Um, was much rejoicing. (laughs) Except not very much because (laughs) there's an army behind them. Uh, They do learn that Erkenbrand has left some men to hold the dike and many other survivors have fled there. So not totally defenseless. Uh, At this point is when we meet Gamling, who is the leader of those people who have kind of been left at, at Helm's Deep. Uh, Gambling is old, uh, literally a grandfather. And unfortunately, most of the people there are too young or too old to be especially good fighters. But, you know, we at least have some people. Uh, so the plan is to go hunker down in the deep, as Gandalf intended. Uh, many civilians have come here to hide in the caves, but it's nice. They have lots of food stores and supplies, which is really good since the riders went out for battle and not for a siege. And uh, I like this because we get an actual discussion of what armies need to have to survive in different types of warfare. 
Yeah, and it was also nice to know that they'd brought in a lot of, like, their, like, the stuff that we just saw the orcs burning. Mm -hmm. They brought a lot of their food and stuff with them, so they weren't burning. They would have, they would have the things they needed to rebuild. Yes. Yes. They weren't totally just, like, running away screaming. They have a a good set of supplies. This chapter does a good job of being like, oh, wait, they're so totally fucked. Oh, maybe they're not completely fucked. Nope, they're so totally fucked. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. They're fucked in a totally different way. Yeah. 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 But I, I, I like that. I think it's a little bit of that, I don't know, disaster planning kind of thing where you're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, these are these people who like this was kind of their plan. Like they, they did you know, prep for this. They live in the area. They're going to go to Helm's Deep if something happens. And yeah, they did. And they had a plan. Um, but Gambling becomes my instant favorite when making such a dad joke about having all the food. Uh, he says, <laughs> if they, Bjorks, come to bargain for our goods at Helmsgate, they will pay a high price. That's of course, so bad. it's your favorite. I love it. It's so bad. <laughs> so everyone takes up their positions in the Hornberg. Uh, the main point of interest is the Deeping Wall, which is 20 feet high and very thick. It's sheltered by a parapet and has lots of spots to shoot arrows through. Nice and useful. Uh, Gimli and Legolas are hanging out here. Legolas sitting up on top of the parapet because of course he is. Uh, Gimli is really happy to be near the mountains. Legolas is less keen on it, but he's happy to have Gimli with him. Because <laughs> they're friends. Be. Um, Legolas comments on how he wishes there were more dwarves with him but even more so some elven archers, since the Rohirrim are severely lacking in good bowmen. Mm-hmm. Which... Foreshadowing? I mean, I mostly think, in this case, just practicality of we don't have enough bows and arrows. We yeah, just if you're don't. at the top of a wall, a sword's not going to do you much good. Right. I mean, presumably, I've never been in a siege. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend not them, throwing though. your sword down, because yeah. then you don't have a sword. That's... See, I've done that in video games before, and it's definitely turned out poorly for me. <laughs> yeah, unless your sword is Mjolnir and will come back to you. Just don't. But anyway, uh, time passes slowly until suddenly it doesn't. The rearguard who is left behind to slow the army at the dike comes running. Which, side note, they never really said anything about this plan. It just was the plan. But, you know, whatever. The rearguard comes running. They... Ran out of arrows, killing orcs. Lots and lots of them are dead, but the army still advances because there's lots of them. It's past midnight, and suddenly lightning flashes, illuminating the oncoming army pouring through. Dun, dun, dun. And we get this really great description. Um, the men of the mark, amazed, looked out, as it seemed to them, upon a great field of dark corn, tossed by a tempest of war, and every ear glinted with barbed light. And given it's corn-growing season here, I liked that metaphor. Yeah. Also, it just sounds cool. Sometimes you make it sound like you live in Iowa. I mean, what do you Illinois mean? is the next best thing. Or at least what I picture is Iowa, which is just corn. I mean, that's not wrong. <laughs> it's really not. But I thought it was a great, a great bit of imagery of this army sparkling in the lightning. It was very good. So the orcs charge the main gate. And while they are continually driven back by arrows each time they come closer... And at last they come with a roof of shields carrying two battering rams. Aemer and Aragorn heroically draw swords together, and they head out the side door to assail the orcs at the gate, each very, very dramatically yelling the name of their sword, because that's the cool thing to do. I thought this was hilarious, because 
Aragorn yells Enduril as if it's going to, like, strike fear into the hearts of his enemies because, you know, it's the sword reforged, blah, 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 blah. But, like, nobody knows its new name. Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> you know, like, nobody knows mm. that it is, uh, what was its old name? Fuck. Narsil. Narsil. Thank you. So, as far as they know, there's just this crazy man with a big sword. But also, and he's people super like, into it. People take it up. People are like, Anduril, Anduril goes to war. The blade that was broken shines again. Yeah. Like, did they send out a, a memo? I'm like, <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. The blade yeah. that was broken shines again. Aragorn rides to war. It was like war. so iconic that people just know what it looks like. I refuse to believe that. I feel like. Like somebody posted the bands, you know, about Aragorn and his marriage to his new sword. <laughs> <laughs> Aragorn's a real true love. Uh, you're not wrong. Um, so anyway, they go in there, swords flashing, and drive away the orcs. But the gates are damaged beyond repair and will need to just be shored up from the inside. Suddenly, a bunch of sneaky orcs who had laid motionless among the dead bodies get up and sneak up behind them. Uh, two of them literally tabletop Aomer. It's <laughs> real funny. They just like straight up dive down at his feet and they, you know, he gets pushed over him like, yep. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's seeming a little bit dire. The orcs are on top of Aomer, but suddenly Gimli to the rescue. And we get, we get, he says some dwarvish, doesn't he? Yeah, so he yells a battle cry that's in Dwarvish, and I didn't have time to look up what it was, and I was hoping someone else would do that for me. I completely forgot until this very moment. I'm so sorry. That's what Baruch Kazad Kazad Aimenu, and I'm pretty sure the second part definitely was like said in The Hobbit, too. Axes of the dwarves, the dwarves are upon you. Is that what it is? Per Google. Okay. I think I so, guess, at yep. least. I guess Kazad is dwarf. Yep. Which- yeah. <laughs> but I think that was the first instance of Dwarven that we've gotten in this book. Dwarven. Dwarvish? Whatever. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, I think our last Dwarvish was like Galadriel. Okay. I don't remember her speaking Dwarvish. Yeah, it was the whole thing was that the reason that Gimli like fell in love with her was when she like Ooh, talked right. about how, you know, Casa Doom was, was good at one point and right. said things in Dwarvish. Yeah, but I did. It wasn't written out for us in Dwarvish. It was just said that she spoke Dwarvish, wasn't it? Um, I don't remember. Uh, At least she used the Dwarvish names for everything. That's true. That's true. Anyway, yeah, we really get none of their culture. So, I mean, you could say that we get a lot more of it in the Hobbit, but we, I mean, uh, uh, cram aside, we we don't really. <laughs> I almost said spam. <laughs> It seems like such a big part of the world that's cut off from us because he finds elves more interesting. There, I, there is, I mean, yes, I do think that's what it is, but there is something to be said for how, you know, um, cause of doom is a ruin. All the dwarves that were there are dead. So I think a lot of the dwarven culture is gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause of doom is gone. Definitely. I mean, even the Lonely Mountain. mountain. Gone. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, rebuilding at the Lonely Mountain, but they sent out a lot of the dwarves from there to try to retake Moria, and they all died, so. Yeah. Well, and I think at one point, don't they talk about how some of the, like, the knowledge is just lost? Yeah. Yeah. So. It hurts me. Absolutely. I do think Tolkien cared more about his elves than his dwarves, and that is why we don't get as much. But he's also sort of peppered it in that 
the dwarven, like the elven culture is leaving while the dwarven culture is dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, that brought the mood down. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's uh, okay. Back to Let's battle. kill some other things. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, Gimli charges in heroically and kills some orcs. Uh, no one knew that he was there, but Amor is rather glad of it. Uh, he asks how Gimli came to be there, and Gimli says, I followed you to shake off sleep, but I looked on the hillmen, and they seemed overlarge for me. So I sat beside a stone to see your sword play. <laughs> I love Gimli so much. so much. He's like, yeah, I came with you, but then you guys seemed like you're handling it, so I just, I just relaxed. <laughs> Let me judge how good you are. Yeah. Uh, but... Gimli goes back to Legolas, delighted with his two kills. Uh, but Legolas is at 20. Uh, out of arrows, though. So it'll level the playing field a bit. I do. More on that later. <laughs> uh, so the sky clears and the moon comes out, but it reveals that more and more orcs are still coming. The attack on the gates begins again, and the army swarms against the deeping wall, throwing grappling hooks and lifting ladders. For each that is cast down, more rise, and soon there's a giant pile of bodies against the wall. Cheerful. I'm honestly surprised about how much of the movie did this word for word. Like, obviously, there's different people in different like places and that sort of thing, but just the descriptions of the battle with the ladders and the piles of bodies and everything like that, and and the the wall of shields bringing up the battering ram. Mm-hmm. I, they just did it so well in the movie. Yeah, and I think for all that we give Tolkien a lot of crap for his battle scenes being so short, and like, yes, I mean, this is, you know, two hours of movie in one chapter, but he, like, actually wrote some serious good battle stuff here, right? Like, they yeah. could take it and make it into a Hollywood movie battle. I do think it's funny that this chapter is significantly shorter than the previous one, where they just talked a lot. <laughs> so very Tolkien. So, Yeah. Body is piling up, um, but suddenly the noise is coming from inside the house. <laughs> Orcs, uh, <laughs> thank you. Mm. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know if I think that was actually good or I just think it was so bad that it was funny. I mean, either way, always both. Uh, the orcs had crept through a little culvert and snuck into the deep. Uh, Gimli leaps down once again, yelling. Lots of, you know, stuff at them. Uh, and he's super happy to have more orcs to kill. Gotta get that count up. Um, but uh, Gimli's yelling actually attracts Gamling's attention. And he looks down and also sees the orcs within the deep. And so he can direct the army to fall on them quickly. And they're killed before too long. So good work, army. Good work, Yay. Gimli yelling. <laughs> and for those of you keeping track at home, Gimli is now at 21 kills. Uh, Gambling says they need to close up the opening in the culvert, and would Gimli help? Because he's a dwarf, and dwarves are good with stone, right? Gimli is all, uh, we don't shape stone with battle axes, <laughs> but he does help anyway, because he's a good guy. Uh, and then goes back atop the wall to compare kill counts with Legolas. Legolas has crept ahead again to 24, but obviously Gimli has gained significant ground. I do, like, I appreciate that they tried to keep this in in the movie but they did they did a piss poor job of it and it is so much better in the book mm -hmm. how they just keep finding each other and being like yo what's your number yeah 
in the middle of this like chaotic battle. And mm-hmm. like there's one bit later where Legolas is actually concerned for Gimli's life and then is like, and I have to tell him my kill count. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, so good. it's so good. Yeah. So uh, the orcs continue to attack and the walls continue to hold. The gate has been demolished, but the barricade behind remains standing. So no one's inside right now. Uh, time passes slowly and Aragorn, Amor, and Gambling pause to talk. They await Dawn, but are debating whether Dawn will bring any hope. Uh, Gambling comments on the voices of the wild hillmen in the orc army. They hate the men of Rohan, for they have not forgiven the fact that Gondor gave the land to Errol the Young, which is pretty classic colonialism stuff, and I don't really blame them for being (laughs) mad. When you read into the history of the Dunlendings, it is literally colonialism. Like, it is... I don't understand how Tolkien thought he was writing them. Actually, I guess back then, I do understand. But writing the Dunlendings as the bad guys. Because it was literally like, yeah, we took your land. And then when you tried to take it back, we killed all of you. And we drove you out of your land. And then they tried to live sort of in some Gondor areas. And Gondor was like, fuck that. And drove them out of that. So now they just sort of live wild in the mountains. with, And it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Maybe don't go in with orcs, but also at that point, who else are you going in with? Literally yeah, no and one think, else would fight for them. Is, does somebody have a line in this about how Saruman's not actually going to treat them any better? Like, he's just using them, but, like, it makes so much more sense. Like, they've literally created this enemy. Mm-hmm. Of them. Like, I don't... That's how it works. There was... When I was reading about the history of, of Helm, of Helm Hammerhand, he... There was even, like, a wildling who had part, like, Rohan blood in him who tried to make this deal. Like, I've got a daughter. Maybe she could marry your son. Or if it was vice versa, he had a son, marry his daughter. I don't know, whatever. And they were... And Helm was just like, no, fuck that. And then punched him in the head and he died. Yeah, that's a bit not good. So, Rohan's been real shit to these people and I don't blame them. Yeah. Oh, Tolkien. Oh, And yet, I was gonna say, really... We're not supposed to see Rohan as the bad guys, but uh, got some dicey history going on here. I can't imagine writing that history of these people and then expecting us to see them as the bad guys. I do think it's a little interesting how gambling isn't doesn't seem entirely, you know, unsympathetic mm-hmm. in a way. Like, because it's like it's remarked upon that Aomer has no idea what they're saying, um, and gambling is clearly like he's this is more in the region that they were from and there's more historical ties. So he can, you know, he can tell a bit more about who they are and what they're saying. You know, it's, there's a little bit of that kind of divide of, um, you know, the people from Edoras and the AOs from <laughs> Aoral, the AO people rather than the Helm people. <laughs> um, right. Like literally in their, high hill and you know gambling is like yeah these people have been screwed over they're not going to stop until the king is dead yeah and he's he's almost understanding of it and right like the piss poor treatment of these people goes back even further than that because they're the people who lived here before Numenor sank and then the Numenorians showed up and was like this is our kingdom now and they were (laughs) like uh dude (laughs) we live here yeah so I it does feel very much like Gondor and Rohan created this enemy on their own and are now paying for it and deserve to. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. 
anyway, um, after all that talk, Aragorn just has to open his mouth and say, Nonetheless, day will bring hope to me. Is it not said that no foe has ever taken the Hornburg if men defended it? So the minstrels say, said Eomer. Then let us defend it and hope, said Aragorn. And then, boom. Orcs uh, had crept into the culvert and blew it the heck up. Things are not quite so good. Uh, at this point, Aragorn throws himself just, into the fray. I just like how you wrote that so much more. Like, isn't Didn't you write a big boom in the notes? I did. She did. I, I like that you wrote it more epically than you then said it. <laughs> and then, boom. There you go. Much better. There we go. Um, yeah, blown the heck up. Um, but Aragorn throws himself into the fray, this time screaming, Elendil! Because- Which makes so much more sense. Why not? It, I mean, it makes more sense, but it's still ridiculous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, the room, uh, after- <laughs> After he does some fighting stuff, he kind of stands at the bottom of the stairs, leading away from the deep and up into the Hornburg, all dramatic with his sword flashing. Uh, Legolas is at the top of the stairs, one lone arrow knocked in his bow. Uh, after everyone else has gotten inside, Aragorn turns to follow, but stumbles, and Legolas shoots one orc with his last arrow, but there are too many, and they, and they spring at Aragorn. But a uh, rock falls heroically to the rescue, so we can still go on to read The Return of the King. Yay! Nice that Aragorn doesn't die here. <laughs> Do you think, like... Fate intervened. Definitely, that was like Manway himself. Yeah, dropping a Dro- dropping a from on high, humming like we need you for later, dude. Don't die here. Right, <laughs> not now. So at this point, Legolas asks where Gimli is, and Aragorn doesn't know, and Legolas is very sad. He wishes Gimli was there with him because Legolas has thirty nine kills now, and he needs to tell Gimli that. <laughs> This bit was my favorite. It's like, oh god, where's Gimli? Oh, I'm worried about him. But also, 39 kills, bro. But also, I'm totally winning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is exactly how I would feel in that situation. Yep. This is the closest I've ever felt to Legolas. He can't die before I beat him? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, they do go inside the Hornburg, and they find that also Eomer didn't make it inside. One man does say he saw him fighting in the mouth uh, of the opening with Gambling and Gimli, they retreated into the deep, so they're probably okay and can defend it, unless the orcs decide to just blow up the entrance and seal them inside, and then they won't be okay. But we don't really touch more on that right now, because why not? (laughs) None of them are important. I do like how in the book, the orcs use the, you know, they blow stuff up more than once. They don't just waste it all on that one, Mm -hmm. one thing. Yeah, there's a bit more strategy to it. Yeah. Um, so at this point, Theoden is lamenting being sort of left inside the keep. Uh, Aragorn comments that there was a better chance of defending him here than at Edoras or elsewhere, but Theoden kind of wishes he were riding out. Um, he does comment again on how the Hornburg has never fallen to assault, but uh, he also says, Now my heart is doubtful. The world changes, and all that once was strong now proves unsure. How shall any tower withstand such numbers and such reckless hate? Which, that 
sounds like a person who lived through a couple of world wars. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, but Theoden also laments that Gandalf's advice to ride out doesn't seem quite so good anymore. Uh, Aragorn is all, eh, we'll wait and see. Usually turns out all right with Gandalf, right? <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, Can't lose faith in the one dude who's still good at making decisions. Yep. The only one. I mean, at least he makes them. Yeah. So Theoden makes plans to sound the horn and ride out in a heroic charge when dawn comes. They'll either clear a way out or make such an end as will be worth a song. As dawn comes, Aragorn stands on top of the gates to snark with some orcs. The orcs That was say, my favorite bit. <laughs> yeah, orcs. Are you looking out to see the greatness of our army? Aragorn. Nah, I wanted to see the dawn. Orcs. You know the sun doesn't stop us, right? Aragorn. Tomorrow is another day. <laughs> then he says something grand about the Hornberg never being taken yet again, yada yada. But he's filled with majesty while he says it. So at least a bunch of the wild men are really discouraged by it. Uh, he has orcs, one of his magical girl moments. Yep. He he just gets all glowy. So majestic. Yeah. Uh, the or- orcs, however, are not overcome by majesty, and they shoot arrows and darts at Aragorn, and he jumps down, which is just in time because they blow up the doorway. Uh, Timing as the is gate falls, Right? And they use their stuff again. Like, it was a good, good strategy move if you're an orc. <laughs> if you were the orc who blew up Aragorn. <laughs> You'd go down in infinity. <laughs> get, uh, get like, good. a medal of service. Yeah. The ticker tape parade. <laughs> get one of the nice swords instead of one of those crappy-looking black ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as the gate falls, suddenly the Horn of Helm rings out. It comes from in the deep, but echoes back and forth across the mountain walls, never ceasing in its tumult. Theoden appears on his white horse with Aragorn at his right hand. They charge through the hosts of Isengard, riding through the ranks, felling all before them. Many orcs turn to run, where they're met with a terrifying sight. The land has literally changed, and a forest stands where once was a green dale. So the orcs are trapped between a forest and a hard place, and there's nowhere to go. (laughs) Nicely done. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Gandalf appears on the bridge, along with a man. Who is Erkenbrand? Yay! Not dead. (laughs) Uh, And he has a horn of his own on him. He blows his horn, and then uh, there's another answering blow from the Horn of Helm. But how do they know that? How do they not know it's just an echo of his previous horn? I'm just saying. The echoing. It bothers me. When they first rang out the the horn, and, and it echoed at first, didn't they say that, like, the echoing went on longer than they thought it would, implying that Gandalf and company were already blowing their horns back at them. Ah, possibly. I didn't pick up on that at all. That's how I interpreted that, and that's, like, why it gave them such hope. But I I I could be wrong. Yeah. Not that there was no echoing from the Hornberg. It just went on way longer than they thought it would. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. Ever... Ever the horn blast wound on among the hills, nearer now and louder, they answered one to another, blowing fierce and free. Yeah. Yeah. So I also wouldn't um, put it past Gandalf to enhance them himself, too. He does have a big-ass flair for the dramatic. <laughs> just just a bit. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of horn blasts. It's 
very, very inspiring. Uh, and the army charges again, and Erkenbrand and Gandalf ride down from the hill. Uh, with this last charge and the horns blowing and all that heroism, the enemy is finally driven to madness, and they run into the shadow of the trees. And from that shadow, none ever came again. Thanks, trees. Love and it. credits roll. So next week we must be with Frodo, right? Right? Because that's the uh, it's the ending. Yep, Dream that's on. it. <laughs> Nope. Maybe I just really want to see some Frodo again. It is weird him. that we get all their chapters back against each other. I don't know. I'm I mean, not used close. to that. We're, we're also really close to when I quit reading the last time through because we had gotten to the end of the movie and we switched back to Frodo <laughs> stuff and I put it down and never picked it back up. <sighs> That's terrible. This whole time yeah. I've been like, give me some Smeagol. I hate that part. Anyway, we'll talk about it when we get there. It is a good chapter. Some good stuff. I guess we don't yet know if Gimli is alive, technically. That's it. We have no idea if Gimli and Amor and uh, uh, Gambling. Gambling? I Gambling. keep wanting to call him Gamlin because of Dragon Age. <laughs> <laughs> Our good uncle. Our terrible uncle. Shh. He was the worst uncle. He was really bad. Um, yeah, I mean, someone had to blow the horn, I guess. It's true. Yeah, we don't it's know who symbolic. blew the horn. Yeah. yeah. We don't really know where Legolas is either. I assume? He rode out with them because he's out of arrows, right? But so he's got to use. I mean, his it would nine. be a good way to get his count up. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, it's just some good stuff. I did very much enjoy how fast paced it was. Mm-hmm. And how... yeah, and even when we pause to talk, it's not really very for very long. Yeah, and it it gave the actiony bits more depth, I guess. You know, because mm-hmm. if it was just action, 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 action. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, all right, bros, let's let's take a break. Yeah. But all the breaks yeah. felt like that was when they needed to take a break. Right. They were good breaks and you know, and, and gave us some good information and, you know, learning about the men. I do think it's hilarious how this is the first chapter we've ever heard mention of this man Erkenbrand, but we are immediately supposed to give a damn about him. Right? <laughs> like, and when he shows up at okay. the end, it's supposed to be like, Yeah, we're like, Who is this guy? Yeah. There's a reason you? they cut him. Yeah. Does anyone have anything else? I don't um, think so. Man, that colonialism is the worst. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really bad. And like, he doesn't even really try to call it out. It's just like, yeah, these are the bad guys because we stole their land. Mm-hmm. And they're mad about like, it. Wow. Yeah. Like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I one of the things that I always forget until I read the books again, all of them, is that the orcs are always, they're not like brilliant, but they're always smarter than they're made out to in the movies. and. You know, like, yes, they had the sheer numbers to just throw people at the walls, but part of that was as a distraction for their other secret plans and stuff. And, you know, the ones laying down among the dead bodies so that they could sneak up on Mm Aomer and Aragorn. Like, it's great. Like, that's good thinking, orcs. They had battle strategy. I feel, yeah, I feel like in the movie, they almost made them more beast-like, just in order to make the murdering of them better. I mean, fair. Like, they never... Try to make peace or like have some accords, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they never try to be like, look, you can have some land, we can have some land. They're just like, look, it's orcs, we have to kill them all. Yeah. And that is kind of ridiculous if they are just on other people. Like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of terrible. Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah. And even in here, like, they talk a little bit. There's not really a accord making, but you can't have even that much in a movie and it starts to get, yeah, a little too weird and. 
murderous. Yeah. Almost any time we see orcs talk, at least in the two towers, it's for comedic effect. Mm-hmm. There is some, there is some more in Return of the King. There's some like, well, there's one dude who barks orders at the rest of the orcs, but that's <laughs> basically it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is definitely a little bit of comedic effect. Um, it felt very much like the uh, doomsday Doctor Who conversation between the Cybermen and the Daleks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just snarking back and forth. We would destroy you with one Dalek. <laughs> Good. All right. So mm. next week, homework. Uh, two Towers, book three, chapter eight, The Road to Isengard. Hey, we know where we're going this time. Woo! Which is fun and very different from the rest of this entire book. I am interested. I'm um, not interested. I am looking forward to getting back to some hobbits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all wonder what love... those Merry and Pippin people are up to. <laughs> it's we'll been so long. be good. I don't even think, do we? We don't even find out yet, do we? The last we heard, they were riding on an Ent off to yeah. Isengard. We do but not I'm still know. not sure this next chapter even has them in it. Oh, no, they are uh, just at the end. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I assume they've reached Isengard. Look, it's Tolkien. You can never be sure. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. That's a, yeah, that's fair. All right. So, so thank you for listening. If you wish to support the show in a monetary fashion, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash so you want to read Tolkien and check out uh, for the low, low price of $1 a month. You have access to all the things that we've uploaded there so far, including some bloopers and some interviews with other podcasty people. And we've got a little more stuff to come. And if you are desiring to support the show in a non-monetary fashion, we enjoy any liking and subscribing and rating on any podcast listening platform of choice. And um, I also, I learned last night because my father is a huge nerd who likes making things talk to him. Uh, that you can just say, like, okay, Google, play, so you want to read Tolkien, and it actually works. So That's wild. Interesting. Try that out and tell people that they can do it, because and if they are feeling lazy, they also can listen to us. That's wild. What does it, what does it play it through? Something Android, probably. Or, yeah, are we on Google Play? We are on Google Play. That's probably So it. probably that. Yeah. All right. That you is said, hey, cool. okay, Google, play, play the latest episode of... So you want to read Tolkien podcast, and it worked. So go listen Why? to us. Technology. I guess it's nice to know we picked a unique name. Yes. Yep. All right. So I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. And I've been Emmy. And we will see you all next week for Chapter 8. Bye. Bye. Bye.